Hi guys, this is Jake Parker. Welcome back to another episode of the Beyond Fit podcast, where it's my job to help you apply knowledge that is both scientific and practical into your own life to maximize your physique development and your overall body, as well as your mind. The combination of these two things is what makes you Beyond Fit. All right, guys, welcome back to Beyond Fit. This is your host, Jake Parker. Today, I have a returning guest, Johnny Zubak, who is the co-host of the Art of Charm podcast. This is his third time on the show. It's been a while. I want to say sometime last summer, and I thought it'd be a fun time to bring him back on to talk a little bit about socializing, especially in this post-COVID world that we're all now in slash entering. Well, before we get into all of that and unpack many different suitcases, uh, let me just say, I want to thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially because you're more geared towards the workout aspect of self-development. And I don't get to talk about that very often. However, that is a large part of my life because as you mentioned, you feel it is very important to be at your best. I feel the same way. And routines are what help you be at your best. And we'll break into all that. And then uh, you mentioned to give a brief introduction. So I'll just lay it out this way. I've been involved with the Art of Charm since its inception. Uh, AJ and I had started it 15 years ago. We, there was some other folks involved as well. But as people grow, people change, uh, people's priorities uh, move in different directions. AJ and I have stayed the course because we really enjoy what we do. Self-development is a part of our, our lives. And uh, we wanted to, in a way, have an opportunity to make the world a better place from our own little corner of the internet. AJ's background is in science. Uh, my background is in music. I've been a rock and roller my whole life. And, uh, and I still play music to this day uh, at 47. And COVID being what it was made playing music, of course, difficult. That was the center of my social life, which we'll discuss. And I had been playing music in bands since I was 17 years old. That was taken from me, much like COVID is taking a lot from a lot of people. And I want to set this up. Uh, if we're going to discuss socializing after COVID, because mm -hmm. I can see a lot of people would not understand the importance of this topic. And I want to lay a few things out. Um, Jake, I personally don't know anyone who died of COVID. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Right. I know plenty of people who got sick. I know plenty of people who were in the hospital who got very sick. But I had been lucky where I don't know anyone who passed away. However, I lost count of the amount of people who had passed away during COVID due to depression, isolation, and chemical dependency uh, and substance dependency uh, because of the lockdowns and the isolation and social distancing that our government thought was a great idea for COVID. Now that's debatable. Some folks in your audience might think 
uh, our government did an incredible job. And I'm sure much like everyone has friends who feel that our government uh, had have failed us. Um, I'm on the on the side that everyone in government dropped the ball on mm. on many levels. And I also feel because of how, the job that I do, that is about socializing, building trust, networking, sales, <clears throat> that I, we understand the importance of socializing, even micro interactions, such as talking to your barista as you get your coffee. All of those micro interactions add up, they compound, throughout the day and they allow you to feel much better. Mm -hmm. A lot of what people don't also realize about socializing, it is an, it is a way for us to feel connected, to feel heard, to be seen. This is incredibly important. If we don't have that regularly, it's very difficult for us to feel safe because after all, we are herd animals for better and for worse. Mm -hmm. And we have to compensate, understand that we're herd animals and compensate for the areas where being a herd animal uh, hinders us and also realize in the areas where being a herd animal um, allows us, uh, benefits us. All of this is extremely important. Because of that, COVID had taken a major component of our micro interactions and our socializing away from all of us. And I brought up the music bit because for the first time since I've been 17, I'm not in a band. And my social life outside of the art of charm centered around music, going to the club, um, seeing bands, being the band. I uh, booking bands. I I had worked in music in some capacity in my entire life, even the last fifteen years while I've been involved in the Art of Charm. In my twenties, music was my 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 main focus. Mm -hmm. As I got into my thirties, um, I I turned to self development as an opportunity to rediscover who I was. As the the music industry that I grew up wanting to be a part of changed. And so that one obsession rolled into the next, but I never um, stopped or uh, just set aside my passion for music. It was always there. And I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit, but I, everyone listening, you have all the tools at your disposal to do many different things with your life. And I've been fortunate that I've got to do both my passions, music and self-development, at an incredibly high level, and I and I and I, I was able to do that because of the technology that I'm talking to you now. Mm -hmm. And I had felt depressed and a lot of anxiety, and with COVID, due to it, the beginning of it, not knowing what was coming our way, right. and having to rely on concerning news sources that I feel that were lying to me and gaslighting all of us. Um, that is, as we've now been through this 15 months, we're seeing data coming out, who was right, who was wrong. Right. Um, that's all debatable. And, and no matter what, 
what side of the political aisle you're on, you're going to view the situation differently. And which is another thing to be careful of because everyone suffered. It affected all of us, but we all went through it in the best way that we possibly could due to our political affiliations and our own biases and, and friends and family that we relied on to get through something that was an historical moment that we, none of us have ever lived through before. And we're left with a lot of uh, uncertainty in our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's, it is interesting because when you're in the middle of a situation, it's hard to really look at it in its full scope and look at it in broad terms, but it is such an unprecedented thing. We'll probably never, you know, or maybe not Hopefully. never, but yeah, we'll not see many other events that impact the world as a whole in the way that COVID did, where we are all going through this same thing. And like you said, we're all sharing such similar emotions and circumstances around depression, anxiety, feeling like we are being lied to, you know, not knowing who to trust. And I think that one of the things that struck me during this time was like you and Johnny talk, or sorry, you and AJ talk a lot about introversion and extroversion on the show. And I thought, you know, I'll be fine. I'm an introvert. I like to stay inside, stay to myself, but you forget that you really need to get outside yourself and be around friends, be around other people, socialize to some extent, just because it is so, like you said, it's innate in who we are for better or worse. And even if you feel like you're someone who doesn't need a lot of per, uh, in-person interaction, it's so important just to, so that you're not ruminating in your, your own thoughts day after day after day. You have to connect with other people in some way. And I don't think that the technology, even though it makes things better, it's definitely not a full-on substitution. Correct. Lots there. So let's start with the technology. And, if, and then I'm going to also give you an, a story about the effects of um, not having social interaction. So the technology that I'm speaking to you through right now, and I'm looking straight into your eyes and you're looking at me and as great as this technology is, it is not, it does not lead to you and I feeling the same way as if we were in the room speaking to each other. Mm -hmm. Reason being regardless of how fantastic the technology is there is it's missing the in-person definition that we respond to automatically so there are what is called micro expressions and these micro expressions are in your face and i cannot read them through this computer i need to be there in front of you having that discussion in order for me to read your micro expressions now I don't read micro expressions consciously. I read them unconsciously, subconsciously. And so what my face will do will mirror your face and through all the little micro expressions. And this allows us to connect so that there is an, an empathy that is being built. So I am feeling what you are feeling as we're having this discussion. We don't, the amount of, of that that we get through talking to you the way I am right now is nowhere close to the amount that I would get at a fulfilling level as if I was in front of you. 
-hmm. So yes, we have all this technology, but that technology is giving us the fulfillment of a social interaction, much like a McDonald's cheeseburger is giving you the nutrition that you need. So it'll do the job. You may feel satisfied in the moment, but there is going to be a, <clears throat> a lingering deficit that you are going to feel empty calories mm -hmm. that you haven't got with a full scale social interaction. Now, so that's, so we're already dealing with the situation with technology to the best of our abilities, but it's not giving us what we need as human beings. People have to understand that technology. I hate to use this word. It's a tool and it, and it is, but it's a tool like a, like trying to hang a picture on your wall using a jackhammer, mm -hmm. right? It's tools on steroids, but though it is a tool, it's not going to satisfy the human experience. All right. Now, so yeah, now I think, I think the interesting part about that is it can almost make you feel like there's something wrong with you because it's like, well, I'm still seeing people, you know, I'm still doing this and that. I'm still trying. Why do I still feel like shit? It, it could be something wrong with me. And it's like, no, you just, we are, we have to realize that no matter what advancements we make, we're still human. We're still wired with these, these instincts and these passions that go, thousands of years back that say you need to be one-on-one -on -one with people. And like you said, it just be a part of, or just get all the parts of human interaction. 100% correct. Just like eating McDonald's cheeseburgers are not going to leave you feeling all that well. And you're like, well, I ate today. I don't understand what the right. problem is. You know, well, you ate crap. That's why. So <laughs> that's just one piece of this that we're looking at. Here's the other piece. Now I'm going to use an example from my time living in Los Angeles in Hollywood so that you can understand the role that social interaction plays in our own mental health. So as you might know, Jake, Los Angeles has a homeless problem, an epidemic that is, it, that is so out of control uh, the the pandemic expedited uh, the deterioration of of LA. I was living in Hollywood. I was living on on Hollywood Boulevard, and all around me on the side streets were tent cities due to COVID. And you can imagine, I it would have been different. I to, with those folks were dealing with without having the information that you and I are are being fed. Hey, someone can make the, the, the argument. They probably dealt with it better because they weren't gaslit 24 seven by yeah. uh, terrible news. But anyway, regardless of what, so you have this homeless population. And one of the things that you will notice in Los Angeles or any area that has a large homeless population is that every once in a while, some of the homeless people will wander into the street stopping traffic and your first thought when seeing this is you know get out of the road what the hell are you doing what are you crazy your first instinct is to get upset you have places to go in their body but why but why is this happen well i'll tell you why it happens because these 
homeless folk are are being ignored and are and are being treated as if they're invisible mm -hmm. for such extended period of time that they need to do something that allows them in a social interaction to be seen and heard. So their isolation and their depression leads them to wander into the street to block that traffic. Now they're getting honked at, yelled at, but guess what? That's better than being treated as if you were invisible. Yeah, like bad attention is better than no attention. Absolutely, this is how the, the human mind works. And so in that brief moment, as you are mad, you're not making it to where you need to be and they're interrupting traffic and you're like, oh my God, I could have hit this guy, what the hell's going on? For him, he's feeling alive and that he exists for the first time in, you know, God knows how long. So this is, this is the tricks that our mind plays on us and part of the human experience for better or for worse. So yes, some folks who felt that they were introverted is like, great, I don't need to deal with people. I got this on lock. You're missing out on all the little micro interactions that allow you to feel that you exist, mm -hmm. that you are somebody, that people know who you are, that you are connected without that. We found ourselves in the same position of the homeless person wondering what's going on, feeling upset, feeling isolated, feeling at times as do I exist? Yeah. Because, because those social interactions are much like a bat using sonar. When we get in those interactions, we're getting the attention that we need for us to know who we are, where we are, and all of that matters. Yeah. And it's kind of like you guys talk a lot about on the show. You have to understand that even if you're in a different situation, even if you have no idea what it would like to be homeless and all the things that lead up to that and all the anxiety and depression that would provoke, you can still match their emotion in some way. You felt fear, you felt hopelessness, you felt alone. And so relating to people on those base level emotions, because again, we're all human, we're all similar in that way. I think trying to exercise that empathy in any situation is something that you guys talk a lot about in terms of being able to connect with anyone, whether you're backgrounds are similar or not. An example that I've heard on the show is if someone's talking about how they were, they went skydiving and they were really afraid. Well, you maybe have never been skydiving, so you can't relate to that, but everyone can relate to the feeling of fear, being afraid of something and doing it anyway. Absolutely. And our social interactions allow those connections to happen. And think about when you're a herd animal, well, what do herd animals do to feel safe? They mingle in the herd. We're herd animals. So if we're, we don't have a herd to mingle in, we're not going to feel very safe. This raises our anxiety levels. Mm -hmm. and, and I say, go ahead. It's just, it reminds me of the news again. It's like, you're not, I don't think that when, when people get afraid of the news, which we've all felt that, but is it so much that you're afraid of the news itself of, COVID is dangerous, it's killing people, you know, blah, blah, blah. Or are you afraid because it's making everyone else afraid and you're seeing all these people on the news and how they're reacting. And these are the numbers of millions of people. It's like, it invokes that, that herd mentality in you. It's not a singular, like, oh, you're looking at it in one-to-one, -one how it affects your life. 
Absolutely. We're talking about mass marketing. Mm -hmm. News is marketing. They're marketing messaging. They're marketing ideas. They're, they're, they're marketing fear. They're marketing emotions that they want you to feel about something. If, if, if news organizations did not care about that messaging, then every news station would report the news as it's happening from an unbiased position. Mm -hmm. But I can watch Fox News to CNN News, and I'm going to get completely radical different realities of what is going on. So it's not about giving you the news. It's about giving you a reality and they need to market their reality because remember those organizations are run by folks who are trying to sell you things. I mean, their organizations are being propped up by their sponsors. So if they do not present the idea and a reality that, that compels you to buy the products they're selling, then they're, they're not doing their job correctly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for, for a little bit of a switch here, what has been one of the main concerns or complaints that you hear from people that are fans of the show, that are clients, people you work with in the boot camps, as far as how their lives have changed and what they're nervous about coming back into being able to be more public, being able to be out in public more? Jake, great question. So where are you at right now? Are Omaha. you in Nebraska? Yep. Okay. So uh, I don't know what's going on out there where you guys are in opening up. I'm in Vegas. We're full on. It's yeah, been opened up. On, yeah. Okay. Um, I have been out a few times and people are, in my experience, had been starving for connection. Mm -hmm. I mean, I had went out and people were approaching me. It was, we are going to have a golden age, roaring 20s, at least socially due to the isolation that everyone has felt for the last 15 months. That's just going to be there. Now you're either ready for it or you're not ready for it uh, or you'll take it on and deal with it as it comes. Mm -hmm. But this is the greatest time to start practicing skills and learn the concepts that allow you to connect with people easily because those concepts that we teach at the art of charm are they going to get you a boyfriend and girlfriend? Yeah, but that's not all they're going to do. They're going to help you. Uh, they're going to help you sell. Everything is a sell. You're you're selling your services. You're selling your ideas as well as as we are. Um, you're always selling ideas. You're selling yourself before people um, people buy you before they buy anything that you're selling. So. That's, a, that's another piece to this, right? So your professional life and your romantic life and then your, your platonic life uh, all revolve around socializing. And we've, just, we've seen the importance of that in all areas for the last 15 months. So it's a great time to practice this stuff, to have a lot of fun because people are very excited to get out there and start connecting again. I mean, that has been my experience. And now the, for, for, for folks who have been a bit nervous about it, it's like, I don't know how to handle this. How, how am I supposed to 
proceed with everything that has happened in the last year. And we just didn't, we didn't deal with just COVID over the last year. We dealt with, with the media stoking fear for the last year. We've dealt with riots for the, the last year. We dealt with uh, a presidential election as one that we've never seen before that had everyone at odds with each other. And we have to accept the information that we had gotten about all of those things and what the world was like. However, if you live your life on the internet, you would think that the world is coming apart and everyone hates each other and we're so divided and, and we're never going to be able to patch this all together. You know, there's certainly some, some hesitancy and some tension in the air. But none of that's going to get fixed without us talking with each other, without us uh, being face-to-face with each other. And so being a high-value person and going out there and giving everyone benefit of the doubt and, and contributing to society and community before you end up, before you start take, trying to take from your society and community. Uh, this is going to go a long way in into helping you get back out there. And there's a lot of folks. I don't know what it's like in Nebraska, but there's a lot of folks in LA and Vegas who are still wearing masks. Mm-hmm. They're they're obviously uh, some are still afraid. Some are re- wearing them for political reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but everyone has healing to do. And by being a high value person, which you look to contribute rather than take in your social interactions, well, you are going to be seen as a leader. You're going to be seen as confident. And then of course, people are going to follow your lead. And so if, if you want a great experience coming out of this, well, then you're going to have to lead by example. And you will see that returned. Nothing. Uh, and as much as our everything around us has changed, nothing inside of you and I have changed, Jake. So my question in relation to that is two things about conversation, about just striking up a conversation with people. What, you know, people might have that fear. Well, what am I going to talk about? One of the common retorts you talk about getting from people that don't feel like they're very adept socially is, well, I don't have a very exciting life. I don't know what to talk about. And that can be even added to from the last year where nobody was really doing anything. Nobody was doing a lot of traveling, a lot of new experiences, stuff like that. So how does one deal with that? And on the flip side, or maybe another concern would be, how do you not just talk about, oh, politics is going to hell, you know, COVID, you know, like people are sick of talking about that stuff. So how do you bring conversations into something new, something optimistic, something that you find interesting, something that the other person might find interesting. That's outside of the sphere of what we're sick of talking about, I guess. Well, something I mentioned earlier that is important because everyone is coming out of this and because of how divided we are politically and ideologically, everyone has had experienced COVID in a very different manner. My experience to your experience was incredibly 
different, just locale, let alone our political or philosophical affiliations. So the, the easiest thing to do was to show your excitement about getting out of this mess and asking others what their experience was like. Let them get it off their chest. Let them have an opportunity to share what they had went through. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Just by hearing about their experience, you'll learn everything that you need to learn about that person that you need to, to um, into carrying on that conversation. Interesting. So you're saying you should lean into the fact that we've all had this shared experience and that's something to discuss together, a way to understand more about that person and their personality. Yeah. And think about it. Everyone thinks we're so divided and we're trying to, uh, we're at each other's throats and mm -hmm. certainly politically we, we, we certainly are. But it's but like, as you, yeah, we've all yeah. shared something that was, it's, it makes, it's, not um, not an exact same experience, but the same sort of restrictions and stipulations. And that is, I think, probably what, what you would say is a unique opportunity to build connection with someone. It is because we the there is a keystone there. That keystone is that experience. And people like to talk about how different everyone is or the realities that they're living. And well, we all shared this. And with all this technology, we have become more tribal because you get to experience things that you're more interested in than other people, right? My musical tastes are probably drastically different from your musical tastes, Jake. Um, but, but in, you know, 30 years ago, we talked about the, the, the television show that I watched last night and the, and it's, and if it was a popular show, it's highly likely that you watch that show as well. Right? Like, when I was growing up, everyone talked about what happened on the Dukes of Hazard last night, or what happened to and and to the on the show Dallas, right? I'm mm -hmm. dating myself about how old I am, but we all had those that entertainment in common. We don't have that anymore, and we we need to find those commonalities need to get placed in other areas. But here we have a massive one. I mean, what we just went through is one that everyone shared and everyone has a different experience, how they viewed it, how they went through it, what they thought of it. I mean, and think about psychologically and philosophically and politically, you're going to get all of that information just from them describing what their experience was through COVID. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then on top of that, maybe you say like, well, what did you get to do that was new or what did you miss? And both of those give you a direction to talk about like the hobby someone has, for example, maybe they learned to cook better. Maybe they played more golf because that was one of the outdoor activities. Or maybe we talk about what, what you miss the most, like you. I miss going and seeing bands, playing in my band. And those start brand new conversations that can tail off of the, the negativity, the, rep, the, the repetitive stuff and go, oh, so music, you know, let's talk more about that. Or I miss going to the movies. Oh, I like going to the movies too. What were some, you know, the recent movies that you enjoyed? Are you going to go back this summer? Stuff like that. It, all of that, even better, you know, what are your plans now? You know, what are you going to compensate for uh, that you, that you missed? Right. So, mm -hmm. you know, I living in Vegas, I mean, people are going, you can imagine they're going ape shit mm -hmm. crazy out here and California is still on lockdown. 
Um, that's supposed to be ending in a few weeks, maybe next week. But yeah, um, regardless, I mean, all of Southern California has been in Vegas for the last few weekends. It's mm-hmm. been, it's been insane. Um, and my conversations with people is just how exciting they've been getting out, how they dealt with it. But also, man, now what do you? We had this moment of life being taken away from us and being face to face with what we missed most. So what are you going to do to make up for that? Mm-hmm. It's and, kind of like that. It's kind of like that D component of the Ford acronym. When you talk about dreams, that doesn't have to be life dreams. It could be what's your, what's your dream trip this summer? What's your dream trip in the next year? Do you want to go to Europe? Do you want to go to Asia? Stuff that you have not been able to do for the last 15 months. Yes. Yeah, so let's give people what the Ford acronym is. So, um, Family, occupation, recreation, and dreams, right? These are four topics that you can connect with and talk to anybody with. Everyone has tales of family, their work, their what their uh, passions are, and what their dreams are. This is a great place to look for commonalities and get people started. And we talk about uh, lateral questions, and vertical questions. Vertical questions allow you to go deeper. Lateral allows you to play surface level. And the idea is that you you play surface level until you find something interesting or commonalities or that you feel comfortable going into vertical uh, questioning with so that you can begin deepening the connections that you're making. Yeah. So what would be an example of someone who maybe you feel like either you yourself or the person that you're talking to is not getting to that vertical space and how to start getting there without it seeming forced or feeling like, you know, plunging into a cold pool. And when we say vertical, just talking about someone like me, especially, and it's something I feel kind of cynical about. And I've actually tried to work on improving is I I hate small talk. And one of the reasons I love this podcast Because it's all, you know, you basically jump right into very deep topics. You have an hour to go into something, you know, whether it be scientific or just, you know, deep philosophically or something that the other person or I am interested in. And that stuff's very easy for me. But where I get lost is I know that for, like you said, for sales, for making new relationships, for dating, it's important to establish common ground with that small talk because it's just, again, a truism of us as people is you don't just snap right into your deepest values, but you can get there in a comfortable way. And you should be able to get there in a comfortable way by starting the small talk. And I think that it's important, like, as I guess, I'm just saying as a person who has, you know, definitely said in the past, I hate small talk, I've come to value it more. And it's definitely something in myself, I'm trying to work on where that's a bridge. And that's something that's very important. That's great. And I'm glad you were able and happy you're able to admit that. Um, because that's where a correction begins, right? You recognize that there's an issue. However, I want to I, I want to pierce a and go deeper into that cynicism because perhaps there's people in your audience that will be able to relate to you and your thoughts about it. So, previously, before you began to work on this situation, you used the word cynical. So, what what was cynical about interactions or small talk that just bugged you out or made you cynical or that you did not like? Yeah, I've I've thought a lot about this. So I would say that it comes from a place of 
like ever since I, I around, I would say there was a really big inflection point when I was 22, where I said, I'm going to get into self-development. You know, I found podcasts like the art of charm and I started reading books. I started, you know, just delving deeper into every area of self-development and that on the positive side made me a lot more confident. But I think what came with that is some cockiness where I know how hard I work to develop myself. I know how much I read and how much I, I now know. And so sometimes I would put myself like on a pedestal above other people and like, well, I don't want to hear about, you know, the weather or what you did this weekend. I want to talk about, you know, these, these philosophical books I'm reading. I want to talk about how, you know, what self-development practices you have. And not everybody has that. So it was kind of like a superiority complex. But I think what I've tried to zero in on is another thing that I mentioned earlier that, that gets talked about in the art of charm. Everyone experiences similar emotions. Everyone experiences similar things. And everyone wants to improve themselves. And so maybe if my goal, my stated goal is definitely to try to help people to improve their lives, to delve into self-development. So it's partly my duty to not just preach or feel like I'm superior, but try to figure out where someone might want to hear about that. Or if that's just not, if they're just not ready for that, then just have a good conversation, make them feel better, make them feel like I'm interested in whatever it is they want to talk about. That's great. I have one question for you. Do you really think that everyone wants to improve themselves? Um, I think, I think that not, I think subconsciously, yes, but I think that it's just very misguided. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a Jungarian thing where sometimes it gets so lost that we think that the way to improve ourselves is to cut other people down. It's kind of like, uh, I think there's a Tim Ferriss quote where he says, you can get better by, or you can feel better by improving yourself or by talking down on someone else. And so I think that we all want to improve, but it's, it just gets very misguided because again, if you talk about mainstream culture, about the news, about media, you're not getting guided towards these, what things are really going to be good for you. You're getting guided towards gossip. It's kind of like the junk food for the mind, and the junk food for the body. So I think deep down, if you uncover it, everybody does. It just gets misguided. Okay. So let's have some fun with this. I do believe that subconsciously there is a, there, there is an innate quality in human beings where you want to progress. I, I think that's in all of us. However, we make, we do the things that we want to do and we make time to do the things that we want to do. So do people make time to do the things that they say they want to do? Often not. No, usually not. Of, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, and, and because of that, that leads me to believe that though they have an innate draw to to want to improve themselves, they're not doing that. And I will agree with you that I think in today's modern age, it is easy to, to lose yourself and what you need to be doing in this idea of self-actualization. However, uh, you brought, uh, you brought up young and uh, I, was, I was just watching a, a bit about, uh, young and his philosophy of individualization and individualization is your need to self-improve, to build on skills, to, to get better. And if you do not engage in that, you risk getting sick due to your feelings of despair. Mm -hmm. This, no, no, this is young and 
Jungian philosophy, but I, from my work and my experience, I, I'm fully on board with this idea. And we're certainly in a world where why work out when I can watch Netflix, mm-hmm. right? Why uh, learn a new skill when I can play video games? And however, we're filling ourselves with, with junk food entertainment, which in turn is going to make us sick because we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. Just like eating McDonald's is going to make us sick when we know we should be eating whole foods and, and, and everything that's supposed to be going with that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, my point in there, I, um, the trigger of whether or not it's a need for everyone to do, not sure, but I do agree with you that most people are just ended up getting lost in modernity. Now, this is the an example of me asking a lateral question and then me finding an interesting topic and and going deeper, right? How did I do that? I asked your thoughts and feelings on this idea of actualization of of self-improvement and with that came a flurry of ideas and emotions and dreams that and um and philosophy that go along with that and so that's an example of lateral and vertical Mm -hmm. and i think that the really difficult thing is getting past that that drive to we we so often and I noticed I noticed myself doing it in every podcast even though I try to do my best to to think about it and to not do it but it's we so often don't listen but we just wait for our turn to talk and if you really listen you can catch things that make you know like you said you find somewhere to go deeper and if you find yourself constantly getting caught in lateral conversation you might want to look and see where am I guilty of just, I'm waiting for my turn to talk rather than truly, rather than truly listening to this person, because there often is so much there that you're not really cognizant of. Yes. And to go along with that, Jake, in order for us to move from a lateral conversation uh, from small talk to smart talk means that I am going to have to lead with vulnerability in order for you to feel comfortable enough to share as well. Because if I start asking you vertical questions, that means I'm asking you to be vulnerable, to speak about emotions, how you felt, your experiences, what's going on, what you're thinking about. If I ask you too many vertical questions in a row, it's going to feel interrogative. Mm-hmm. And you, and eventually you're going to close off because you feel like I'm the only one contributing and you're going to have to leave that interaction in order to, to, to feel better. Otherwise you're going to feel the, the tension and pressure of these questions. Mm-hmm. Now I have to be willing to give you my shared uh, experience in order for you to feel okay for you to do it. So I use this analogy, we bring it up on the podcast all the time, that in order for rapport to happen, trust to be built, we have to risk. And the gamble that we make is our vulnerabilities and that we would be accepted. That's the risk that we take. So if you and I don't know each other and we begin a conversation, 
laterally, we walk to the entrance of a cave. Mm -hmm. Now, if I decide that I'm going to go vertical, that means somebody is going to have to go into this cave first for that question to be answered. Now, if I don't know you, why the hell would we walk up to this cave and I go, hey, Jake, you, I know it's dark and dark in there and you've never been in this cave before, but uh, go ahead. Go ahead in. Yeah. How are you going to feel yeah. about that? Right? Yeah. You're like, yeah, I'm not going in that cave. Get out of here. So if you're not unwilling to do that, then, then you're uncomfortable with being vulnerable in this situation. So either I can continue to press you, which that's not going to work, or I can walk in that cave first and show you that it's okay. And now that I've opened up, and I've shared my experience. Well, it's easy for you now to do it. And in fact, the best part is you'll feel compelled to do it, to match me because I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that you have to be somewhat careful with the vulnerability too, especially when you're talking to strangers, like vulnerability doesn't necessarily mean spilling your guts and telling a stranger all of your deepest, darkest thoughts and dreams and desires and because that's not necessarily appropriate. You have to have some social awareness, but being vulnerable. That's called, that's called floodlighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And something I try to do on the podcast a lot is I, I think I tried to show an example there where I, I try to be really honest about where my flaws are because that's how people learn. That's how I learned from other podcasts. And so when I express my flaws and hopefully my guests will do the same, people will see that even though someone who says that they're all about self-improvement and tells you ways to improve yourself and your body. I still have lots of flaws, but one of the, it's kind of like a, like circular, not circular reasoning, but um, something like it feeds into itself. It's I'm someone who improves myself because I show vulnerability because I look for my weak points and it's just a cycle. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be, you know, the person, you're never going to be that Ubermensch, that person that doesn't have any flaws, but working towards that is going to help you become better every day. So here's if I love that tactic and it's a good one. Let me hand you another one. All right. The other way to, you can build comfort and, and be vulnerable is to share your lessons, how you learned something. So if you're looking to sell yourself of your experiences and who you are to somebody and you, a lot of people don't like to just come out and tell, talk about their accomplishments because they feel like they're bragging. Mm -hmm. I feel that way. I don't want to talk like that. So how do you, there's, you could talk about flaws being vulnerable. That's certainly one. Uh, you can have other people do your selling for you when you, that's called social proof. And the other one is talk about the lessons you learned through the experiences you went on. So um, I could talk about, the tours that I went on as a musician and somebody be like, Oh, this guy's bragging about all these tours he went on. Or I can talk about the lessons that I had learned through those tours. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So if I'm talking about the hard lessons, it is in, inferred that I had had all these experiences and I'd done all these things and I'm able to bring back the lessons that I had taken from these experiences. So now I'm adding value into this conversation and you are learning about me in the process. I don't, so I'm, I'm now showing my experience 
but I'm not doing it in a bragging way. I'm showing it in an anecdotal way that mm -hmm. shares what I had learned from these experiences. Yeah. So you're registering all this stuff. Not only are you registering that I had all these experiences and I know what's going on here and I am uh, fully capable when it comes to this type of stuff. I'm also showing the wisdom that I had gotten through doing all these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always try to remember that people learn through stories. And yes. so, for example, like we've talked about a lot of things that basically say prioritize long-term gratification over short-term gratification. And you could read that and you go, okay, I guess that makes sense. But if you tell a story about someone who persevered in a sport or in a business or, and they did these things that mm -hmm. they worked long hours instead of partying, you know, stuff like that. When you tell a story about a person, that lesson registers so much more strongly than just saying, well, do this, do this, do this. And then it's like, okay, but that's still kind of esoteric and out there. When you tell a story about a person, even if it's, uh, why do people love like fairy tales so much? And why do we teach kids fairy tales? Because you don't teach a kid, oh, don't steal. It's bad. It's going to come back to bite you. You know, you tell them a story about someone who, you know, the tortoise and the hare, you know, you, you can be the best, but, you know, slow and steady wins the race. That's long for gratification right there. So you Sto stories are memes. Stories. stories are memes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Much I like music is and songs are memes. Right. We've had memes have been around way longer mm -hmm. than the Internet. And the definition just, of meme is just like a social something like a social uh, norm or something along those lines is included in the definition, I believe. Yes. Um, lessons, norms, um, contra social contracts, right? The, the I ideas. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Johnny, I got to I got to head out pretty quick. But uh, if yes. there's anything else you want to share with the audience, any closing thoughts, uh, let them know where they can where they can find you. Yes. Well, the Art of Charm podcast is available anywhere that there are podcasts that we do rad stuff all the time and rad guests. And if you want to, if you're more into learning, we have a uh, Facebook community that you'll be able to find if you go to our website or follow us at the Art of Charm on any social media and you'll, you'll find uh, our, I believe it's uh, the Art of Charm groups on Facebook um, we, but we do weekly Q and A's and lessons from the podcast and our programs. It's certainly a lot of fun and people get a lot of value out of it and, and share their stories of, of using these tools in their daily lives. Um, reason I do this is to make the world a better place from my own corner of the internet. I want everyone to live their dreams. Yeah, I love it. Well, this has been a really fun conversation and always, always is, and I can't wait to talk to you again soon. Thank you very much, Jake. You have a wonderful day. Thank you. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. If you would, please take a minute out of your day to review and rate the podcast as well as subscribe. It would really help me out a lot. And if you're on Instagram, go ahead and follow me on there at jakeparker.fit and screenshot and tag me when you're listening to the show. I'll be sure to share it. And thank you personally on there. Thank you.